0: One, two, three. Hello, all of you beautiful people out there watching this video. I hope you all had a beautiful week. Here is me, Yogile, and welcome to the episode two of One Mind Zone Inspirational Conversations, the podcast that teaches you how to reach the balance of body and mind. Today, I'm very excited to have a very special guest, mm-hmm. Matthias Correa. I met Matthias 12 years ago in Berlin, the time when he was developing his new business project and himself as a personality. And um, years before that, um, him, like many other people on this planet, was living a completely different lifestyle. Um, He lived in Miami, had a busy, stressful life working for the corporate companies. And one day, he just dropped everything and started traveling the world and finding um, the real self. At the moment, he lives in Mexico. He's a personal um, life coach for successful people. He's also fitness trainer, and he builds the International Retreat Center with his girlfriend out there. So I really can't wait to get it started. Hello, Matthias. How are you? Hey.
1: Hey, Yoga, how's it going? Thank you for having me over here.
0: Thank you so much for being here. And um, I have always been amazed by your stories, experiences, and your personal journey. And I'm very happy that you are able to be here and to share your knowledge and your journey with other people. And um, let's get started straight forward to the topic that I was mentioning already before about you having completely different lifestyle in your past. And so what was the breaking okay. point of you changing your life from corporate guy to free soul traveler and how traveling changed your perspective <laughs> on life?
1: Well, okay, so uh, thank you for having me here, first of all. Um, yeah, I think, um, it was a gradual process i i I think i didn't even know when it when i decided to quit that my life would change so much uh at the time i felt like i had done everything right in my life you know i had worked for this company for for philip morris actually i'd worked for them for nearly already four years and before that i had graduated with my mba from one of the ivy league schools so I was making a lot of money. I was traveling. I was going to some of the islands in the Caribbean, which I was managing. And everything was sort of going right. I, I, at least I felt out that way at the time. I felt that, OK, I finally have my career path. Uh, I am young. I'm making lots of money. I can do whatever I want. And this is what I wanted. But then deep inside, I started feeling at some point that it just wasn't enough. I started feeling like there was something really missing in my life, apart from the success and everything that comes with having a corporate job and all the lifestyle that comes with it. And I think at some point I started realizing that the benefits of having a corporate life and being a successful corporate manager um, were less than all the sacrifices that I was making. I think that was when I started realizing that I needed to do something, though I didn't know at the time what, That really was. Um, And then as the months kept on going and I kept on feeling this feeling, it got worse and worse. And I started realizing that I'm actually a really stressed out guy, that I work tons of hours, that my personal life is just really not that great. That my main priority is my work. And at some point I started saying, well, that doesn't really make much sense. And ultimately, I'm not really all that happy. So I think that was kind of like the breaking point. And at some point I decided to take a break because I didn't quit outright. And when I took that break, uh, I decided to go travel for a little bit because I had a a friend that worked corporate with me and he had gone traveling during his vacation for a couple of weeks. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, take a break from my corporate life. Um, Luckily at the time, or at least I thought it was luckily at the time, my, my, corporation gave me like a sabbatical so I could take a couple uh, months off. And what ended up happening is I took a couple months off, but then I decided that I wasn't going to come back because when I started traveling, everything started changing for me. That's when really like my whole life began to take a different route. And I can see that I, I call that like my corporate life was like my first life, or at least my first life, professional life. And then everything that came afterwards has been a transition into many different kinds of ways of looking at life. And I think the main thing with, um, to answer your question, how did, did uh, traveling change my life? Uh, I think what it did it it made me look at life from a very different perspective. I, I think that's the main thing that, that changed because up until that point, I had bought into everything that society says about, you know, what you should do in order to be successful and to be happy and I'd followed that. And when I realized that that didn't work, I didn't really have another point of reference. And then when I started traveling and I started meeting people that lived in many different ways, you know, people, local people and also travelers that were creating very different lives for themselves. I think that just triggered a curiosity and also kind of like this feeling that maybe there's more to life than what I thought there was. And I began to question things because of that. And that is the main trigger that changed everything into, like, that began to trigger like the new perspective on life that I have.
0: Hmm. And which actually country for you left the biggest change what, what which country in the in in your tri- in your trip from the beginning or i don't know where was that really changed your completely understanding of everything of yourself of life of living of in a spiritual hmm. way even
1: well i think um, yeah i think this definitely would be india i mean i think the whole my whole trip was because I've I've traveled a lot since then, but that was the first trip. And that was one year traveling. Um, And I went to something like 18 or 20 something different countries. And I went to four different continents. And in that trip, I think the one place that really impacted me the most was India and um, Because India is just, uh, it has that mixture of, you know, it's exotic. It has a lot of temples. It has a lot of really cool places to go. It's also rough to travel in India, which I kind of liked because I kind of got into rough traveling, but it also has that spiritual side, which was my first real contact with something spiritual that was more tangible because a lot of times when you try, when I was traveling, I would see people You know doing rituals and doing things but i I was never part of it or i'd see people meditating but i never really took part but when i went to india was the first time that i started meeting other travelers that were doing kind of trying to follow a spiritual path and where i kind of said to myself hey you know maybe you know this could be something for me as well
0: Mm -hmm. you know i always when i always remember you i Most of the time, I remember those amazing, beautiful stories about India. And you were the one person (laughs) who was telling me all the time, Yoga, you must go to India. You must. You just have to see it. And I remember meeting your friends who lived in in there. And I just always have this feeling that I really have to go one day. And because only because of your first stories, because it sounds so... Exactly that's what I would like, the rough, as you say, and the spiritual part. Mm -hmm. And um, But for how long you were staying in different places? Did you settle down? Did did you, or you were just like traveling freeway and without actual plan and without actual knowing what you're going to do next, next month, next year, Mm -hmm. or was it more spontaneous way?
1: Well, I think that that first trip... (laughs) was um, I traveled quite fast. I mean, over the years, I, I've, I've traveled quite a bit more and I've changed my way of traveling because I've also changed as a person and what I wanted to get out of the, the trip or what I want now to get out of the trip is very different than at the time. At the time, it was, um, it was a time of discovery for me because I, I was kind of like in a, in a shell, you know? So I always had the feeling that my corporate life kind of created a, like a type of cocoon you know, and uh, I was like inside or maybe like a bubble, a type of bubble or reality that it took me a while to break through and to break out of it. And when I started traveling, it was all kind of like discovering, oh, you know, like very simple things. Like, for example, um, when I traveled, I discovered I could sit on the floor anywhere. You know, before that, I, I, I I never sat on the floor anywhere. I always sat on a chair. And just something as simple as that was such a big breakthrough for me because I realized, hey, you know, so I would travel someplace and I would be wanting to sit down. I was tired and I would sit on a sidewalk Mm -hmm. and, and I would sit on the sidewalk and I watched people and I was like thinking, wow, you know, I would have never sat on a sidewalk before because I always thought it was kind of dirty. So, and by sitting on the sidewalk, it was kind of like I was breaking like, like, a, like a societal rule or something. At least that's how it felt for me. You know, like, okay, I'm doing something that a lot of people don't do, or at least something I wouldn't have done. Mm. Um, so it was that kind of year. It was a year of, of experimenting, trying different things. So I would travel to different places kind of fast. I will stay a couple of days, and then I would go someplace else. Um, Did you get
0: connected with the people from there? Did you find your yeah. friends? Did you meet friends?
1: Yeah, I met, oh my God. This the great thing about traveling is that um, you meet the most unexpected people in the most of unexpected places. This is what I really loved about it. And because of those people and because of those places and the context of those meetings, you look at yourself and you look at life in general, just totally different. Because, you know, like a lot of times, like, you know how it is, like, when you're like home, you like you meet your circle of friends and your circle of friends kind of, in, in a way, reflect some of the things that you believe or some of the things you hold true. Mm. Well, when you go travel, you meet people in random places that believe things very different from you. But then all of a sudden, they're your friends because they're traveling to or they're, you just met them and you connected at a very human level. Yeah. And, and they're giving you very different information. So all of a sudden, you're like looking at life from through a different lens. Um so that first trip was like really discovering trying out new things moving around really fast because I was just curious to see what's in the other on the at, at the other place that I'm going to um so it's kind of like that later on I started traveling slower because I realized there's a lot of really great benefits to traveling slow as well
0: okay and so, and how it happened afterwards that you decided to settle in Berlin and start a new business and completely reinventing yourself from one persona to another?
1: Right. Uh, I think, okay, so what tra- traveling did is it broke all the molds in the, of the corporate world. It really made me question the whole corporate setting and just the values that are behind that lifestyle. Um, and it also made me realize that what I really want, I want to be really happy and I want to be free. And these were like concepts that I didn't have before. So then when at some point with traveling, and this is something that I always, um, I talk about when I I talk to, to people that ask me about traveling is that, you know, traveling can get old as well. It gets tiring after a while. Um, but traveling so traveling itself is not a solution to 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 being happier it can, it can give you happiness for a while, but after a while it just it's like anything else. If you do long enough, it gets tiring. But traveling teaches you certain things that's and that's the thing and that's the important thing and so it taught me to to have perspective to step outside from my life um, and so then when i was when I was traveling after the first trip, I started feeling like, okay, you know it's great to travel, but i I, I want to at some point I felt like I want to build something. I want to create something, you know, traveling for the sake of traveling is okay. But I felt like I felt a little antsy to do something. And when I went to Berlin, Berlin just blew me away when I first got there, because I had never been to a place where there were, first of all, there were like a lot of travelers there. You know, there were a lot of people that were really free that been all different parts of the world. It was very alternative. Um, a lot of people were questioning a lot of things, which is what I was doing at the same time. And it was just crazy cool. It was just such a cool place. So I, I went there not knowing that I was going to stay there. And uh, once I was there, I just realized, wow, this is a really cool place. This could be a really cool base and a cool base to start something, to create something, which was the feeling that I had at the, at the time that I wanted to do something, though I wasn't sure what that would be.
0: Mm. So, and so, my question is, um, how do you feel that is the person is actually endless to reinvent himself? Because, for me, once I started the traveling and changing the living places, I really realized that the human possibilities are really endless. You can learn everything. You can change your life from one to another completely. And non-stop reinventing, non-stop doing. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you do you think yeah. so as well?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think um, I think what what used to limit me a lot from changing my life when it wasn't working, um, which has changed now, is the fact that I thought that that I had this like solid identity you know, like this personal identity that I, how I saw myself and I thought that, okay, that's me, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that that identity, like the things I identify with, um, that those can change. And that even though, you know, like before, like I identified myself as a corporate manager and I, and for a while, you know, I thought, okay, I'm this young, successful a corporate guy and I'm going to, I'm going to work for a lot of, for other corporations and I move up the corporate ladder and I'm going to make a lot of money. And I, and I saw myself as this ambitious young man. Right. And at some point I, when I started traveling, all that started to change and I started dropping those identifications. And I began to look at myself as this traveler, kind of like this carefree uh, person that can move anywhere in the world. And, and you know adventurous that's willing to try anything, and I was like really amazed that all of a sudden after like after a year, I was looking at myself from a very different perspective, my identity had changed, and then when I went to Berlin, that began to change as well. so in a way, I feel like like initially it was traveling that changed my identity because that was that allowed me to see, but later on, I started realizing like what you just said is that we can actually change our identity without having to travel, without having to do anything, you know, like really just by, by really understanding that we have endless potential as human beings. And that's, that's when, when I got to that point where I understood that I can change my own identity. um, That's when I started feeling like I could really be anything.
0: Exactly. And it's never too late.
1: Never too late, of course.
0: And, uh, for for me this more like endless also possibilities, it's appears all the time when I do any of the spiritual activity with me, or either this is meditation or this is the breath work and then seeing yourself as a changing and seeing yourself as a how you can see, how you can track your body, how you can listen your body. And maybe before I w- didn't even know about these things and now I I start seeing that oh, this is actually I think the human is it's, it's
1: just endless. It's endless possibilities. Yeah, I I get so that feeling more too. We
0: still don't know, you know.
1: Yeah, I think like um, you know, like with meditation and stuff like that. Um, I think the reason why it makes you realize that you have endless possibilities is because when you do like like spiritual work in the sense of like meditation, for example, mm. meditation, what it does, it brings you to the present moment. And when you're in the the present moment, you're not identifying with things. You know, you just are. You're just being. And when you're in that state of being, then you realize that, hey, okay, then I can work in other fields. I can live my life in other ways. I can do a lot of different things. It is only when we like stop being and we stop being so present and we get wrapped up in our own minds and into what we think we need to be doing, (laughs) that we get trapped into like, this identity thing i think
0: exactly because we don't we don't have actually to focus on the dream we have to focus on right now and Mm -hmm. once we do it then everything becomes easier for sure and and, um, once you mentioned now meditation what was your first introduction to meditation Mm -hmm. when was the first time that you tried or you got nowhere and what method tell me a bit about Mm -hmm. that yeah,
1: it was um, actually the first time was I went to Pune, India, mm-hmm. and I, uh, there's the center of from Osho. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know Osho. Yes. I know. So I went to so I went to the Osho center and I stayed there for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I before that somebody maybe had taught me something of meditation, but I, I know that. Being in the ashram there was the first like big experience because there's nothing else to do there, really. I mean, you go there to just learn for that, you know? just for that, right um, And I would say that, yeah, I mean, that was my first experience with meditation, though later on it changed quite a bit, and um you know I kinda had the but it was a good place for me to transition into other things. I think.
0: And what were the other things later on? Like well, how, how this meditation process uh, evolved through the years for you?
1: Um, I think um, so with, with the Osho. So I, I was doing this kind of meditation that was um, one of the basic meditations they have is to observe your thoughts. So Osho believed that if you um, observe your thoughts but without getting like really involved in your thoughts, you just like watch them without getting involved in the in the drama that's going on. Then what happens is that the thought stops. You don't that thought goes away and then another thought comes in into your mind. And then, then what you do is you watch that without getting involved, and then that thought goes away, and then another thought comes by. And you just keep on doing this, and at some point, thoughts are coming in and out really, really fast. And what he says is, if you do this, you get to a point where um, eventually you you stop really getting involved in your thoughts, okay? okay? Because you're not, you, you're just kind of like just watching, but you're not really involved. So that was the first kind of type of meditation I did for for a while, but uh, at some point, a lot of things changed. That um, I think. Um, I had a very big transition in life when uh, my brother, my little brother, when he he died, he passed away. Um, And he had a very tragic death. He he committed suicide and everything around it was very tragic. And I was in Berlin and I was just really, I was destroyed. And in a way, like all the the work that I had done, the spiritual work that I had been doing, because not only was I meditating, I was doing yoga and I was doing. Mm -hmm. IG, i was doing a whole bunch of other stuff at the time um kind of all went out the window and in, in in its place i started feeling really really depressed and that in itself was a huge lesson looking back like now when i look back you know the fact that i had thought that when i was in osho ashram and afterwards that i had attained some kind of level of of something, of some mm-hmm. kind of spirituality. And then just like that, it was just kind of taken away. It just, you know, like it stopped. Uh, and I realized, and I felt like, man, I, I forgot everything that I learned. So that was a big lesson, you know, that life kind of goes up and down. You know, it's not, you, you, you're always learning and no matter how good you are, you know, things can become difficult. And then you have to figure out ways to get back. So it's kind of like a, a journey. You know, it's a path that you're always kind of correcting and always getting back. But anyways, um, so after my brother passed away, um, I started the business uh, uh, in the, the bar, Mano Cafe, um, underground bar with live music and stuff like that, which is where, you know, we met in Berlin. I and um, I, I was very, the first few years, I think you didn't know me then, but I was very depressed and I was very, I was not in a good place. And uh, I think I met you when I was getting out of that. Um, at some point I realized that I was just miserable. I, I really didn't like my business. I didn't like my life. I was had broken up with my long-term girlfriend. Um, I felt like there was this pain inside that just uh, was never gonna subside. You know, That's the way I felt it. And I, and I didn't want to either in a way, I didn't wanna let go of the pain because it reminded me of my brother and so all that everything was spiraling out of control and at some point um i think i was also i was smoking a lot of grass and weed to to numb out the pain Mm -hmm. i was was drinking a lot you know which comes also with a bar business but i just um and at some point i kind of hit rock bottom i kind of felt like so miserable with my life and i i said to myself okay, I need to change my life. I want to go back to the way I was before, but I didn't know how to do that. So I said, um, so I started kind of like, uh, asking friends, you know, what do you think I should do? And actually we have a common friend <laughs> that gave me an incredible advice and changed my life. Okay. And that common friend is, uh, Fong. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Fong, who, who worked in the cafe, um, he had been doing a type of meditation, which was Vipassana meditation.
0: Okay. And so he introduced it with Vipassana. Okay.
1: Yeah. And he told me, hey, you know, you should really try it out. It's a really amazing technique. And, you know, I, I, I was I was willing to try anything at that time. I was so desperate. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take some time away from my business. I, I, I left Berlin, left the business with, with friends that were running it, and I went to India again. And I signed up for a Vipassana meditation, a 10-day course, um, where you said basically Vipassana, it's 10 days, super intensive. You're 10 and a half hours a day sitting on a cushion, just meditating. Um, Really, you're not even supposed to move very much. So it was very rigorous on the body, very rigorous on the mind. And at the end of that, I felt a significant shift in the way I felt in, in everything and the beginning of something. And then from there, I went to the Himalayas and I checked out a room on top of this hill. It was this, it's between a mountain and a hill. It was pretty high up. And um, there was nobody there. I was there alone in this guest house. And I submitted myself to like almost three weeks, not three weeks, I mean three months of self-imposed rehabilitation. So what I did is I said to myself, okay, I need to get healthy. So I began to eat really healthy. I began to meditate. Um, I was meditating a lot. I was meditating like four hours a day with my new technique with Vipassana. Um, I started doing yoga and I would just do this every single day. I'd taken some some books that I wanted to read that were like spiritual nature. I was reading, um, I don't know if you know of Krishnamurti. So I was reading yeah. him and he's, he's a really deep guy. Um, so all that for three months. And at the end of those three months, it was just unbelievable. I felt so clean. I felt I, I felt optimistic about my life. I felt like the big pain that I had from, from my brother's death somehow. I, I still missed him, but I didn't feel the pain. I felt like it was okay. I could deal with it. I felt like I wanted to go back to Berlin and I wanted to create this incredible business and uh had all these ideas on how to create this uh, a business completely different than all the other business that I had uh, done before because it, I wanted the business to be had to to support my new life my new spiritual life and my uh and not only support me but also support other people in their pursuit of happiness instead of just the pursuit of money, which most, most businesses are built, built around that. Um, so yeah, so that's, that was a, the big transition for me right there.
0: It's beautiful because it is many times. You also were telling to me about Vipassana meditation that that should really do once in my life. <laughs> and it's funny, right before the whole COVID situation, right before the lockdown, I was about to sign up for, to do this for 10 days outside of Barcelona and I was so looking forward and I was ready to go to dive <laughs> into the into this tough 10 days to take out everything from me, all my belongings and just to... Spend time just for that because I felt that I, re- I really need to to kind of do the restarting your mind, you know, or, or start seeing things maybe differently. But unfortunately, all of this plan um got destroyed by COVID, and now I'm waiting for another possibility when I when I, it's going to be available again to do these mm-hmm. um, centers.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but
0: I really would love to. Huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, for me, it changed my life completely, like drastic, drastic change. It changed, like, um, how I felt inside. This is, like, the really, like, weird thing that I thought. It wasn't just so much that I was, like, meditating more, but, like, I felt, like, inside of me. Well, before that, I felt, like, kind of anxious or I felt pain or I felt mood. My moods would go up and down and stuff like that. Mm. I felt like my moods were so much more stable. I felt like there was, like, this... Like soft buzz inside, yeah. like everything was buzzing, but like really soft and and smooth, and I could even tell in my voice like when I would talk, my voice sounded and came out softer and and less stressed, less forced, mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, it was just remarkable,
0: wow, yeah, because that's always the the hardest part to actually keep the the mood to balance the mood because sometimes even if I do just because I do the, the meditation daily and then I, even if I finish I, I feel like relaxed and calm but then any trigger can still completely disbalance your mood you know and I think this is the, the hardest part is to keep this balance all that to keep this calm you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah 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 for sure it, it but it's, it's you know it's like a uh... To me, it's like a like it's a journey, you know. It's a process because exactly. because you know, like even when I meditate, like now, like I, I'll I'll meditate. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm always gonna have like a really good day in terms of like that. I feel great every single day or spectacular or even that my meditation is smooth. I mean. In fact, that ch- this is something that's changed in me is that like before, I used to think that like a really good meditation was when I would close my eyes and everything was in peace and I could kind of like very easily uh, observe myself. But then I realized that um, what I learned was like through vipassana primarily was that when I'm totally chaotic inside and uh, and things are going kind of like and I feel anxiety, things are, and I'm having trouble concentrating. For me, those are the most important times to meditate. And even though it, the whole process of meditating is not so smooth, I feel like I get more out of those times than the times when everything is great. And, and this is what I would be that. So the, the, that particular technique teaches you, not. it's not only so you can be very present, it teaches you to, to have tolerance, to have tolerance for discomfort, you know, because yeah. a lot of times what throws us off is that you feel discomfort and then all that peace that you felt before just goes out the window and now you have this other mood. So Vipassana teaches you how to tolerate that so you can stay kind of centered despite the fact that You have this discomfort or pain or something that's kind of bugging you. Um, It also teaches you patience, you know, and and I I think these these things are like very basic things to have, like on a spiritual path, you know, to be tolerant, to have patience. Because if you're not patient, you know, about things, you know, then everything's going to trigger you. And, and, And then it's very, very hard for you to even be present. And patience, just like tolerance, is something that you can train. You know, so you can train through these mental techniques. And because for me, like, this is, I, I'm a very rational guy. The way, like, I started realizing what meditation was, I, I stopped calling it spiritual. What I started calling it, it was just mental practice, mental Lacking. training. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a technique. It's like going to the gym and you do these exercises to get That's your a, muscles yeah, more fit.
0: Yeah. It's another discipline habit no that you have to adapt in your life
1: yeah yeah for sure and and i think for me i like that description better because i feel like a lot of times like the word spirituality um a lot of people are kind of like resistant to it it sounds yeah. a little maybe too too hippie you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know too alternative but when i talk about hey you know it's a mental technique you know it's like it's mental training yeah um people relate to that pretty clear and they can understand it and um, you know like one of the examples I always like that I use uh, to describe this is like if you if you eat if you let your body decide what you eat so let's say you go to you're walking by a store and you see this chocolate and you're like oh I want to eat that so you eat it then you go pa- go past let's say McDonald's and you say oh that looks good I'm gonna eat that and you eat whatever your your body wants at some point you're gonna start feeling pretty unhealthy because, because in a way we have to have some kind of discipline when we eat, it, you just cannot let your body do whatever it wants. You know, you have to decide, okay, consciously decide, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna eat that, even though it tastes good, I'm not gonna eat that, that cheeseburger because it's not gonna bring good benefits to me in, in the long run. So it's like these deci- decisions you make at a health level. And same thing with going to, to fitness, you know, you don't wanna go to fitness, you're like, oh, how boring. Yeah. But then you make a an decision and you say, hey, you know what, but it's really good for me to go to fitness and do some exercise because it's good for my mental health, it's good for my body health, it's good for everything, right? Well, the same thing with, with the mind, you know, like if you, if you don't train your mind in any kind of way, then your mind develops all kinds of bad patterns, like the same thing like with eating. It starts thinking in ways that are not healthy. It starts reacting in ways that are not healthy, right? So we also need mental training it's it's a kind of awareness and a kind of discipline so we can train our minds to behave in patterns that are good for us in the long run so that's kind of like the way i understand meditation
0: yeah and as you say like this uh, to to work on the new patterns is like because our brain human brain human mind is divided into two parts like the thinking mind and the feeling mind and of course the the feeling mind is more concentrated on the short time satisfactions which also leads to anxiety and stuff and the thinking mind is more concentrated on the long term uh, things in a or like to say in a things to do that will gonna bring you some good thing to you in the long term mm-hmm. so again this uh, the meditation or mindfulness practice is actually very important to balance this both uh, sides of the of the human mind, because otherwise, if we let the the feeling mind to take over, as you say, we all the day gonna eat just burgers and stuff, not going to gym, not taking care of ourselves, being lazy, mm-hmm. and you know, and stuff. And and this is very important. This is very important
1: yeah yeah i hear you
0: i think, you're and I, and I think they correct. should actually teach they should actually teach the kids already at school all of these things you know because it's all depends from the education how do you educate people from the beginning on because no one tells you unless if you're born maybe in india there is different, uh, different way because there is a big uh, tradition and uh, from the ancient times but uh, when when you here in the, in the Western world, if you if you grow up, no one is telling you about this thing. no one is telling you what is yoga, what is meditation that you have to uh, train your concentration, focus, awareness, you know, and then you mm. you're only able to find out by yourself, you know, if you search and if you wanna search. Otherwise, you don't really know. About mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. You know, it's 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 so basic exactly. that to our to our to our us being able to live in a healthy and happy way it's so basic that we do these things that they should be fundamental teachings you know and Mm. i think i think you know it's the fact that it seems i think it's been put in like in a corner like of spiritual search you know so like that we all and I understand that because a lot of people are not ready to do things like that because they're maybe more concerned in the, in, let's say in the physical world or, or they're concerned about their profession and they're concerned about other things. And a lot of times it takes kind of like an awakening for you to say, "Hey, but let me really focus on inner growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think maybe like you re- like you say, you know, like if we as, as children understood, you know, to instead of looking outside that we look inside you know, and, and shows techniques on how to look inside because what's going on inside is going to determine what comes out. Um, man, can you imagine what a society we'd build if kids were trained like that from the beginning?
0: The that would be amazing. World would come out, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um. Okay, I also know that you've been trying different shamanic practices. So, how it happened that from the, the the spiritual from like meditation vipassana discovering uh, yoga and stuff you you drifted to shamanic thing and what was your experiences
1: mm-hmm. so I think it's the same thing that it's it's the lesson I learned from from traveling you know that I I just question things. You know, I I question I question anything that is mainstream, anything that any pattern that I developed for a really long time. I question I and when I mean, my question is I I wonder, like, if there are other things out there, I wonder if there's another way to look at things. So even with Vipassana, uh, I did that for almost 10 years and I was doing these 10, uh, 10 day retreats. every single year. And sometimes a year, sometimes I would do two of those retreats a year. And then I was meditating tons and tons of hours. Sometimes I, I, I remember I got to a point where I was meditating for a while, like almost six hours a day. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I just started, I was just thinking, well, okay, but maybe there are other ways to to achieve personal growth, you know, to, to find ways to connect at a, at a deeper level with myself. So that was part of it. The other part of it was you know i there's there's always there was always a feeling that life could be better, you know, like I could do things better, that I could be more uh more at peace with myself uh that that even though I was doing this meditation that you know there were still times where where you know, I still felt a little down or I felt like, you know, OK, I need to change something. So I think that that feeling that, OK, w- there's still so much more to go was like the, the, the catalyst for looking at other things. And at the same time, because I was traveling, you know, I had been traveling in Asia quite a bit. At some point, I said, OK, what it would be really cool to approach spirituality and personal growth? from a totally different perspective. And I just realized that in Latin America, there was, shamanism was really big. And I remember like sometime in 2000, it was 2007, I was traveling in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And there I, I was traveling in this small town called San Agustin, San Agustin. Uh, and there I met a shaman, I met a man i um, just, I was just walking in a plaza and I was talking to somebody. And then I met this man and he was just a very, very simple man, very poor. And we just sat down like, like typical travel story, just said, sit down on the side of a sidewalk and just start talking to some random person. And then he told me that he, um, did ayahuasca ceremonies and he offered me if I would be willing to, to if I, if I wanted to, I could go to his house and do it. And it was almost like nothing. He was like giving it for free. And uh, I had heard about ayahuasca at the time, but I never tried it. And I heard that it was supposed to be like these crazy uh, hallucinations and you can see things about yourself and you see spiders and snakes and all these weird things. And I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> I wanna try that. So uh, so I said, okay, let's try it without really knowing what I was getting into. And wow, man, that... That ex- first experience blew me away in, in so many ways. I mean it was it was incredibly hard and dark. Some of the things I saw when I took the, the ayahuasca were, wow, things of nightmares. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it was beautiful and magical and revealing. It was so many different things. And at the end of that experience, I felt that I had lived something, I felt like I had seen something within myself, like a truth about myself that wasn't necessarily everything great. There were some things about myself that I saw very clearly that I wanted to change. But I think the most impactful thing was that I had the feeling that now that I've seen this, I cannot pretend like I didn't see it. Okay. Now I now I need to do something about it. You know, like a lot of times we we recognize things about ourselves, but we kind of like push it aside and we're like, all right, whatever, you
0: Ignoring, know? Yeah.
1: But it, I couldn't ignore it, you know? So that's, that was really amazing. And that, that experience triggered, like, a couple of years later, like three years later was my first real shamanic trip, which was a trip dedicated to learning different types of shamanic practices. But that trip was the one that, or that experience was the one that triggered it.
0: Wow. And for for how many years? I, because I know you also lived for a while in the, in the shamanic community, no?
1: Yeah, yes, correct. So yeah. how
0: many how many years you actually for how long you were experiencing all this? And if you and are you still participating in some ceremonies?
1: Well, uh, um, Mara, you know, my partner, she um, she's very involved and um, yeah, we do certain things here at the house here where where we live. Um, but different than than back then, you know. I mean I've discovered it's been a learning process. It, it was like kind of like traveling at the beginning i was so excited about it and i just wanted to try everything but then after a while i kind of started finding my way you know like what made sense for me because i realized also is that there's so many spiritual practices out there and so many ways to, to achieve personal growth and not all of them were tailor-made for me you know there are some that make more sense than others you know so and, and and that's part of the journey, at least for me, has been to kind of discover to try things out and discover what works, what what really resonates, what's making a real big impact or a lasting impact and keeping that and then things that don't, we'll call then moving on from that. So yeah, so I, I, I did that, let me see two thousand ten, I went on a I went on a journey. Uh, I spent six months traveling in South America, and I was trying all kinds of things. I did uh, diets in Peru, where they call dieta, where you go into. Um, at the time, I went into the Amazon's, and I stayed there for a couple of weeks, and staying in a in a bungalow in the middle of the Amazon's, and you eat these plants that the shaman gives you and um these they're not ayahuasca these other plants that they give Uh you that also make you feel kind of sick but Uh they open up they open up other things for you other positive things and you have a special diet which is very limited and every other day you take ayahuasca so i did some of those dietas then i traveled to other places where i would um i was doing a lot of ayahuasca because that's what you do in in peru um, where I met other people. And then in Ecuador, I started trying some other plants as well. And, some, and I got involved with a group called um, Camino Rojo. Um, and there with the Camino Rojo, it was, it was very much like a family. And then they had a very structured um, way of approaching spirituality with a lot of rituals um and well a lot of different plants that are also hallucinogenic and stuff like that and some of them were not um so i got involved with that as well um uh, in that trip in that and then the next year i did the same trip like uh, i went back to latin america and i went with mara this time and then we tried a whole bunch of different things and then it changed her completely as well the whole shamanic path just completely changed her probably more than me um and then we did that and then she went to live there um, and then i moved there uh, to latin america to live in colombia in the south of colombia and we lived in a place where there was a, a world renowned shaman there and this world-renowned shaman was bringing shamans from all over the world like top shamans from oh. from north america like Lakota shamans and people from mexico um also from from nepal and from all different places and th- these were like really elderly people that were coming there that dedicated their lives to that that was like the way of being and so we l- learned from them though my time was more limited than, than mara mara really stayed there for a really long time and she learned a lot and then shared some of that with me
0: what do you think about this uh, new trend uh, like that ayahuasca ceremony is popping up everywhere and it's like uh, so many people mm. are doing it, so many people are offering it. Uh, what do you think about this? Would you, rec- can you recommend to do it with no matter who, or you would really say that it's better to go to the to the roots to the South America?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I, I think, um, well, you know how before, like, let's say 100 years ago, if you wanted to find a good shaman, you, let's say you were in in Spain, and you wanted to find a really good shaman, you or 200 years ago, or 300 years ago, I don't know, maybe you would get it, you would get it on, on a boat, you would have crossed the entire ocean, you would arrive to, let's say, Brazil, and then you would have gone through this huge expedition to the Amazon and probably Ask a million different people so you can finally go meet that one shaman in the middle of nowhere that can help you. So it was incredibly hard to find a shaman, a really good shaman. Mm. I feel that right now it's equally as hard. And it's equally as hard because now everybody is a shaman, you know? And so now you have to navigate through a sea of people where everybody is offering ayahuasca everybody sort of knows a little bit the traditions or has had some kind of experience with these traditions but meeting the one like really true shaman you know the shamans are the shaman of like the native shamans and the shamans of like the old ways they were first of all old they're Mm -hmm. old people you know there there were no young shamans because in order to be a shaman it wasn't just that you were like serving ayahuasca or that you knew the rituals, the shaman was a wise man or a wise woman. You know, it was a, a person that had lived an entire life. And because all the wisdom that they had gained through their entire life, and all the wisdom also of dealing with these powerful plants and these powerful um, healing techniques of nature that had been passed down very slowly because a lot of st- stuff is not just stuff that you can just pass down through a recipe book um and then only at the end of their lives would they be considered shamans because these people were to heal you you know they're going to help you but they require all their life experience to help you so nowadays what do you have you know you have people that are 20 something year olds you know like a 22 year old person that went on a trip and spent two years in 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 the amazon in peru And then they come out of that and they've learned something, of course, and they had a huge transformation and they want to share that, which is normal. But, you know, they end up calling themselves shaman. And I feel like that there's, I feel like it can be a little dangerous, you know, Mm. to do that. Because you you don't have the life experience to, to, in order to really help people and to deal with the difficulties. Because here's the thing, you know, that, When you're taking these things, um, it could go great. You know, you can go to any shaman or any person and take, let's say, ayahuasca or peyote or any of the other, um, what they call master plants, Um, and you can have an incredible life-opening experience. But similarly, you can go to one of these places and you can have a horrible, traumatic experience. And if you don't have somebody there to guide you, it could take you the other way. Instead of opening up something for you, it can really, like... um, Create a lifelong tr- trauma, which a lot of people have happened that, you know, they're incredibly traumatized by their shamanic experiences.
0: Yeah, I think this is, is the only reason why I still didn't take ayahuasca because um, I'm a bit scared or not sure where I would do it, if so, in Europe. Hmm. And yes, maybe. Uh, since you say that you are, you are building the retreat center, so maybe the next time we'll be at your retreat center.
1: Yeah, we're
0: gonna have
1: to bring somebody really good. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So tell me a bit about your uh, the center you're building there with your girlfriend Mara. What is the idea, and how did you come up with this idea? And what is gonna be the concept of it?
1: Right. Um, so the idea was that we both felt like, okay, we have, um, we've learned a lot of things. So partly is to share that, but more it was to create a space where we can offer something that's, that's a value to society in some kind of way, you know, to offer something back. It's, it, it's, it was never started, let me put it this way, it had never, ever started from a business perspective Mm -hmm. because even up to this day you know i really don't know if that is a good business model or not and i really don't care uh what i care about is the fact that if you have a space like this um so you you can offer something incredible for people that can be life like a a life transformation opportunity for life transformation like it happened for me and at the same time it's a great opportunity for us to continue to learn as well for me and mara you know, which is really the, the, the part that kind of made it like, yeah, let's do this, is because we say, hey, you know, we want to be in contact with these amazing people. We want to be, to learn new things. There's a better way to do it than to host people like that. So that was like the, the whole motivation behind it. Um, either way, you know, we're, we're always like trying to, we're always connected to this kind of world. So we thought, okay, it makes sense that we move in that direction.
0: And what? Uh, when you are you planning to to finish the whole construction works, and when, when do you plan? Were you planning to to start having some events? Uh, or what is, what are your plans, if you can tell this, well, them to us?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, with the coronavirus, everything changed. You know, this is. Um, the the virus uh, we were we, were, we were really ready to go ahead right before the virus um, and once it hit it put everything kind of like into a big question mark because we were like thinking okay you know people are not traveling people are not even you know everybody's maintaining social distancing and with all the restrictions you know do people even want to go on a retreat you know maybe people are going to be like hey you know you know the last thing I want to do is be in a room uh, surrounded by other people, you know, meditating or doing anything. So we were kind of uncertain about that. But, um, so we put things on hold, but, you know, I, I have this feeling that now more than ever, we need things like that. You know, we need, we need spaces to to heal and to connect. Uh, because this is one of the things that for me has been like a, uh, with everything that's happened, um, my my, I, I guess I, I, I one of the concerns that I have is that um, that the new normal, you know, everything that's the new normal with all these restrictions mm. becomes a permanent new normal in the sense that we become used to um, being like not touching people or having distance from people. You know, we become used to being protecting ourselves and being scared of everything that's happened. Um, because if, if that happens, um, what ends up happening, I think is that we, we stopped living in a natural way. Yeah. So, so for example, you know, like I was the other day we did a fire here. We have a place like a ceremonial place where we do fires at night sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a fire, we had some friends over. And while we are having this fire, I was thinking, I was telling, telling Tomara, you know, it's amazing, you know, this people, human beings have been getting together around the fire to connect with each other or to pray or to do whatever since the beginning of of, of our, our species. You know, this has been the normal, something so normal for human beings on how to connect, to get together. Mm. And things like that, you know, they're now with everything that's happening, you know, are not going to be possible anymore. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that maybe don't want to go to a, to a retreat center, but I feel like for the people that do, I think it's going to be very important to have these, a, a place where you can go and connect and and connect uh, at a natural level with, uh, with other human beings, you know, and to let go of these fears and to let go of all the the social, all the social trauma that's being caused by all the things that happened because, you know, I mean, it's been very tragic, all the things that have happened and all, all the deaths and everything, but that's created like a, a big social scar, I feel. And yeah. I think we're gonna need to heal that somehow. So so now we're moving back toward this idea. We'll see how, how it goes, but um, yeah, we want to offer this to 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 people. And I think in the future, um open ourselves up more to to creating spaces for these shamans to come and, and help people that are that are dealing with that or with other issues as well.
0: Yeah, but I'm also quite positive about the future and the traveling because I think this is why every every country is now um, challenging themselves in finding faster the vaccines. And I think once there are vaccines, of course the people will want to travel. I guess uh, this would help us somehow, no, to move around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I still don't know yeah. if this is a good thing, but <laughs> still somehow I think it should get back to normal sooner or later, Oh, the new normal, as you say.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's, whatever, whatever is happening right now, I mean, it's important that maybe we follow all the rules, all the restrictions and all that. But for me, it's like very clear that this has to be like a transition or like a, a temporary thing, like, like emergency type of behavior, you know? Like, okay, there's this pandemic. Okay, we have to take care of ourselves. We gotta wear uh, face masks, We gotta keep social distance. Okay, makes sense. But that cannot be like the way that we are on the long term. There has to be like a time where we phase out of that and we like get over it and we overcome that. And then we begin to connect again um you know i think that's for me like the the key with all this is because i think at a spiritual level you know we need to to connect with other people you know we cannot live in bubbles you know we cannot live separate or spirituality is one thing like the shamanic spirituality taught me and it's very interesting um what I, i i started thinking a long time ago what is how is shamanism similar to meditation right and what I realized is that they both take very separate, very actually opposite paths, but they all end up in the exact same place. And that is that like with uh, meditation, a lot of times meditation, like all, like especially like all the Buddhist meditation, what they try to teach you is to um, let go of the ego, right? So if you're able to overcome your ego or let go of your ego, what you, co- you come to realization, like people that are enlightened, Supposedly, what they come to realization is that there is no I, there is no self, there is no identity, and that there's only, everything's connected. There's only It's not just, it's, there's no me, there's everything, a connection of everything, and like a oneness. And then with shamanism, what's really interesting about shamanism, shamanism starts from that point. Like if you go to a shamanic ceremony, they'll pray to the eagle that's flying by and they'll say they'll call it grandfather eagle, and grandfather eagle is flying by right at the moment that you're doing a ceremony and that means something and the reason it means something is because the the people that do shamanism recognize that everything's connected from the beginning they say everything's connected like there's an eagle flying by here the river is flowing at this moment and i just did this and that is all connected somehow that all means something and that's why the like the, the people that do shamanism all the different things in nature are kind of alive and they're all in fact a lot of traditions they call like the animals they call them their grandfathers or their ancestors um or even things are not alive like rocks they they say rocks are alive and rocks are our ancestor because they feel like there's a connection between us and all that so everything's leading whether you're from meditation or from shamanism everything's leading to the point where everything is connected Everything is, we're all, right? And I feel like, um, you know, this thing, like we're talking, going back to the coronavirus and everything that's happened is that we, this all this push toward kind of staying separate and, you know, not getting too close to each other. At some point, we need to get back to the idea that we're all connected and that we need everything to be connected.
0: Exactly. It's very well said, Um, well, <laughs> it's been a lot <laughs> of information I think for everyone and we actually did almost already more than one hour, it's, it's beautiful. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, um, for closing, could you, what would you say to people to for those who is maybe confused and lost with their life, with their profession, with their work, and being maybe trapped in this in the circle of the stress and the running and the anxiety, maybe depression, and uh, they don't know what to grab with, they don't know where to start or what to change, or maybe I don't know. Like, what could be your advice or your hint? Or, just for them to realize
1: well well i think the first thing is to i think it's I, I think it's really important to recognize if you're like that if you're feeling really lost or you're feeling kind of like like your life is not making sense anymore or your career is not making sense to understand that you're actually not in a bad place it's actually almost like a, a prerequisite somehow in order to take a leap forward into into something bigger and something better in order to evolve, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we, if everything, let's say, you you, you have a career and everything seems to be going great, um, you're not going to question things. You're not going to try something different, um, even though at a subconscious level, maybe there are a lot of things that are going wrong, but at a conscious level, you're not really aware. So you're kind of just maybe um, just going along with whatever's happening. But whenever you get in a point where you're kind of like down, you're depressed, you're kind of lost, um, that can be an opportunity. If you look, if you decide to look at it that way, you know, an opportunity for, for change and for exploring. Um, so that's the first part is to, to maybe start um, not to get desperate, to recognize that in, whenever you're going through a major transition, there's a feeling of being lost because, um you know, a lot of times, you know, what felt normal was maybe the old pattern of behavior, or how you're living before, and then as you let go of that, there's kind of like chaos, and then until you move into something that's more solid and maybe even better, um, there's a moment of uncomfortableness. So you know, you, it doesn't feel all that good. Um, so I say that's very important: is to to be tolerant or to be uh, to to be to be able to accept that there is going to be discomfort and change and then i would say um the other thing is to to begin to question things i think this is um essential you know to to question your reality to question like let's say if you're miserable with your career um question it you know like like for example one of the questions I asked myself when I was a corporate guy and I was really stressed out, I was like, does it really make sense that I'm to work work 60, 70 hours a week? Mm. I'm like, like, where is that written that that's going to make me happy? Independent of the fact that that's what I need to do to make more money. I mean, is that, does that make sense? And when I began to think about that, I was like, well, maybe that doesn't make sense. What would happen if I was working less hours? What would happen if I had, instead of two weeks vacation, if I could, take off two months to really be with myself? What would my life look like? What could happen if that was the case? Um, So that's what I mean by questioning is to kind of like take things that you already have in your life or things that you already believe in and put it up to scrutiny. Just ask yourself, try to look it from different perspective and say, what would happen if I did things differently? Because that, when you do that, that, that opens doors to new possibilities. And a lot of times when you feel lost, you feel lost because you don't see the doors. You don't see the opportunities that are out there for you because you're kind of stuck in the same patterns and the same beliefs all the time. Um, so I would say that, you know, to begin questioning and to begin experimenting, to begin trying, you know, this whole thing with spirituality or personal growth, it, it's a journey. And it's a journey of um, of tr- trying out new things, uh, putting yourself out there. Um, a lot of times you discover things that are amazing. A lot of times you discover things that are absolutely a waste of time, but just the process of putting yourself out there and trying to find uh, ways that make you happy that are outside of, let's say, the typical things that we're being told, you know, which is like, for example, the career path, you know, just to find like the perfect career to make you happy. When you look at things outside of that, um, that in itself is going to open up new opportunities. So I think that's what I would say, people. And to to know that it's it's a journey and to enjoy the journey uh, as much as you can, even with its hardships and its tribulations.
0: Yeah, and when is the best time? Then actually now, because uh, now is the perfect time when the whole world is on the on the kind of frozen moment when everyone is on lockdown, and you have so much time to spend with yourself. Now is also the best time to, to experiment, to question yourself, to try different things. You know.
1: Yeah, for sure. With it all was, this time that we're given, that we've been given, yeah, it's, it's a blessing. It can yeah. be a blessing if you, if you use it wisely. You know.
0: Yeah, because many people are like also now around, which is also in a maybe, depressed or nervous, and I always try to say. No, but see the good part of it. You have now way more time. You don't have to go every day to the office and this you spend at home. You just can wake up in the morning earlier and try things. Maybe you change your diet. Maybe you also do some breathing exercises. Start implementing things in your life. Start seeing the difference. Start seeing how it's changing you with everything. You know, the, the behavior, the emotions, the, mm-hmm. everything. So we have the best possibility right now, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the virus is still dancing around and it's going to be here for a while. And once it's over, uh, we hopefully think hope is over at some point, at some point, we will need a lot of energy, power and strength to come back and, you know, and to to do new things, to build new things.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matthias. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me here. This was such a pleasure to have you here. And I am sure I'm still going to have you once more in the future later on again to speak about other things. Uh, But for now, I'm really thankful to you for being here. And um, please stay safe. Please be... Good and um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a you. pleasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me over. It's always amazing to connect with you, you know. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I love our friendship, I love the fact that we connect at a very deep level since always, it's always been like that. Mm. So, and uh, to, to be able to do this with you, it's it's a pleasure. So, yeah, anytime you want to have me, I'd be happy to, to, to be part of it.
0: Cool. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, have a good one. Thank you for having me. See
0: you next time. Thank you. you. Take care. Bye.